This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Dan Moulton, he's a senior consultant in Crestview Strategies, Toronto office, and a liberal strategist. John turley Ewart, risk management consultant, all kinds of experience on Bay and Wall Streets, Ernie Eves as a former premier and finance minister. Let me ask you, I mean, uh, there are some uh, issues confronting the current government of Doug Ford uh, in this last few days alone. Uh, we knew we drew some heat, or Caroline Mulroney, the transportation minister in Hamilton, with the scrapping of the LRT, which they said uh, had become cost prohibitive. Uh, they affixed $5.5 billion as a price tag uh, for the whole project, including maintenance and so on and so forth, whereas the Liberals under Stephen Del Duca had apportioned $1 billion. And now there were already some sunk costs into it with Metrolinx expropriating properties and things like that. But what did you make of the handling of the file, Ernie, uh, insofar as, you know, the Ford government, I guess, uh, got a black eye from folks in the hammer anyway? Yeah, I, you know, I like Caroline Mulroney. I think it could have been communicated a lot better than it was. I think, first of all, you have to give the mayor of Hamilton a heads up. You can't just do this. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But if they did, I haven't heard about it. Um, Number two, I I, I gave her full marks for going to Hamilton to make the announcement. But the emergency exit didn't (laughs) seem to go over too well. And I think that the message should have been... We committed to a billion dollars to Hamilton Transportation, and we are going to live up to that commitment. Unfortunately, the previous administration said it could be done for a billion, and we now find out through engineering reports, et cetera, it's going to be five and a half billion. And while we'd like to help the people in Hamilton, perhaps we can do this by stages, and we'll start with the billion-dollar commitment that we made. That's the way I think the file should have been handled. Yeah, and ask the federal government or the local municipality to make up the rest. But I mean, and the other problem too is they they stretch that number. That five point five billion dollars was immediately debunked as a fake number, right? That that is, if you wanted to come out and say it's going to cost two billion or three billion dollars to build that. To well, they said they had a third party look at it, and they arrived at at least three billion. Yeah, at least three billion to build it. That would have been one thing, but they stretched it. And they said five point five billion dollars, which is a completely BS number. That well, includes third... maintenance and no, operation that's to run the LRT. Of course, right. it would cost money to run the LRT. We're not talking about building it, though, right? And it also is a provincial infrastructure asset, which means that it's amortized over a thirty-year period. So it's not as though that that's an immediate hit to the fiscal plan to to spend that money on the on the LRT in the, this year, right? And so I I, I think they, they really did mishandle the communications of this. I think I. Agree with Ernie, they should have come out and said, we said we'd pay a billion dollars, we're going to pay a billion dollars, Justin Trudeau, come pay the rest. And I, you know what? The federal government's put $100 billion up for infrastructure exactly like this, so I'm sure they would have come to the table. So it's very confusing as to why they did it, and it just reeks as crass politics because they haven't got a single seat there and the opposition has all of them. All right, so was it an unforced error, John? Well, I think Ms. Mulroney needs to enroll in the Ernie E. School of Political Communications uh, <laughs> starting in the new year. A second career, Ernie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Uh, no, it, it, was like, it was a disaster. I, I don't think anyone could say anything else about it. I mean, it's certainly they did say they were going to c- commit to that billion dollars, but that wasn't part of their messaging. They're being chased out of the room. Uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, I, I just not a, not a good not a good way to approach this at all. And as as Dan pointed out, the liberals keep going on about how they want to support infrastructure projects. Well, you know, we'll put up a billion, you put up the rest, and then if they don't want to put it up, 
then I guess liberal, uh, you know, MPs and MPPs can talk to the constituents of Hamilton as to why. So yeah, and I'd watch for that too, right? I mean, like, there's a big opening for the federal government here uh, to swoop in and look like political heroes if they want to. That's interesting. Well, so the ball would be in the federal liberals' court on another matter. Uh, just the other day, or yesterday, I guess, Todd Smith, uh, you know, he's covering the autism file now, saying, well, uh, we're going to have a further study and uh, try to get everybody, you know, made whole by 2021. And a lot of parents were anticipating this was going to happen sooner rather than later. Again, another problem, Ernie, in terms of uh, communicating a message or executing an agenda here. Uh, how do you see it? Yeah, it's, as we've talked about before, autism is a very difficult file. Uh, you will never have enough money to spend what needs to be spent on every single child in the province. So you have to come up with a system as to how you can gradually improve that. Mm-hmm. As you have monies available to you, and not drop anybody off the off the off the program, um, I think that you know parents had hoped that by this coming April, the new program would be in place and they could proceed. From listening to Minister Smith, I gather that that's not going to be possible. That they can't organize and get it set up by April. But he did say, as I watched the news late, late last night, that. They are going to start to pay out monies in April of, of 2020. There again, I don't know, maybe the communication could have perhaps been a little more positive as opposed to another what, what I'm not going to do, what I am going to yeah. do. <laughs> well, is that where well, they're, and they're... another? Sorry, John. You go ahead. No, I was going to say another communications blunder on their part, I think, in that they put him in a room with crying parents to make this announcement, right? I mean, they, I don't know if you, you, you caught that sort of nuance to the story, but that was the most shocking thing about how they rolled this out to me, was that they allowed the minister to make an announcement that was clearly going to be disappointing to the community, one that's caused them significant problems throughout uh, their tenure in office, and they let him do it in front of crying parents. Like, it just, it, it makes no sense to me why they would have allowed that to happen. Yeah, the, the optics are horrendous. Well, and this is the point. I mean, the optics are horrendous, and that's the public's takeaway, but their heart seems to be in the right place, if I'm reading it right. Yes, I, I mean, I, I, mean, yeah, I agree. I think they're trying to do it right, and they realize if they rush it, they're not going to do it right. I agree. Uh, but they, again, uh, how they rolled out the conversation was was uh, uh, doesn't leave the public with the view that they're actually doing it well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let, let's switch then to the federal realm, uh, where Bill Morneau and his announcement, uh, the physical update on Monday, talking about blowing through all the numbers insofar as a deficit is concerned. Whereas, and we know the history, in 2015, Justin Trudeau uh, had bragged about, we're going to be in surplus by a billion dollars in 2019. That quickly fell by the boards. They went up to $10 billion. Uh, now it was close to $20 billion. And... Uh, Actually, Morneau has taken it to $27 billion. And even uh, without costing in promises made during the recently completed federal election campaign, who knows where it's going to go, Pharmacare and all the rest. John Turley, you're, you're the numbers guy. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it led to a discussion we had a few weeks back. Uh, do people still care about deficits and debt any longer? It seems like they can just, you know, expand the pie and uh, figure there's no fallout from that. Well, I think if people remember the mid-1990s with, uh, with Cretchen and Martin, uh, yes, people do care about uh, deficits and budgets uh, and... and uh, how the the world views uh, the, the economy because there comes a time when you hit a wall. But we're not there yet right now. And in terms of the numbers that we're talking about, this isn't an economic calculus. It's a political calculus that's going on. I mean, there's no way that the bloc is going to be upset about extra spending. Certainly the NDP would love to see this. So the only people in the House that are really going to be upset about this are the remnants of the Paul Martin Liberals sitting in the Liberal caucus and then Andrew Scheer's crew on the other side. So, I mean, Trudeau really hasn't got any opposition to this. And 
his his end game is winning seats and getting back to a majority. And the way he's going to do that is spend money. In Quebec. That's a smart liberal <laughs> tactic, I guess. You're the uh, strategist, Dan. Look, I, I think there's one reason why our, our, our federal government is in this... Um, what is becoming a structural deficit is because Stephen Harper decided that he would make the crass political decision to reduce the GST uh, by two percentage points, right? And I think that that is that is a significant blow to the revenues that the, the federal government. I thought needs. it was Mike Harris's to, fault. No, 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 Steve. Stephen Harper. It could have been Diefenbaker. <laughs> Let's keep going. No, no, no. I, no seriously, they, McDonald. Maybe. They reduced the GST. They did it several times, and and that is the reason why we've come into this situation. It's the same thing in Ontario. Our, our corporate taxes are too low. I, I would argue, uh, in terms of being able to pay for the programs that people expect, right? And I think that that's the political calculus that John's talking about, is people expect public services, funding from the federal government, funding from the provincial government, and if they cut them, they get furious. Look at the political situation that Doug Ford finds himself in right now. Uh, the, the way that we solve this problem is is through looking at the revenue side of the equation. I think that, that is exactly where we're, we're finding ourselves in a problem and, and why we're finding these deficits uh, structurally reoccurring. What revenue side? The tax side? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh see, see, I'd be looking at growing the economy, because then that's what you lift up and the revenues naturally grow. That's how you do it. Yeah, well, I, I think that that is absolutely part of the but how do you the do success that? that we've seen in the growth in revenues over the last uh, several years in Ontario, the last ten years in particular, have seen a, a steady uptick in the economic success of this province and increased revenues. But at the same time, we've also kept corporate taxes at a historic so, low. So the big companies in this province aren't paying their fair share to fund our public. Here's services. the thing you have to look at right now: though. we're headed into a downturn. We had we lost seventy two thousand jobs in November. We lost I think about thirty forty thousand jobs in October. Right in terms of the productivity in this country, it's it's not going anywhere. The Ontario economy has largely been built on immigration and housing. That's it. Not in terms of investments in productivity or in wages. So, you know, in terms of saying that this province has done great, no, it hasn't. And, you know, we haven't invested in productivity. We have a manufacturing sector that's dying. Um, and, and our energy costs are too high. We have a lot of things to fix right now. And, you know, what we have to do is bring investment in. And don't forget, we've lost $30 billion in the past three years out in the oil fields, uh, you know, for investment. That trickles right down to the city of Toronto and Bay Street. Bay Street's laying off people right now. Bonuses are down. People are worried about their jobs. And that's not a good thing. Well, in the city of Toronto, I guess, you know, uh, Dan, if you're a big fan of taxation, then you got to support <laughs> Mayor Tory City Building Fund. Sure Ta do. Ten and a half percent by 2025. Uh, he's sold it to the council. Twenty-one to three. The vote went yesterday, and yep. uh, so you feel that this is not a naked tax grab. It's just good uh, investment in. Well, I'm sure it. you describe it that way. I, I describe it as long overdue. I, I think that we are in, uh, from the city government perspective as well, has a significant problem on the revenue side. Property taxes in the city are too low. Like full stop. The, okay. low, so the second low, the second lowest is, in the So region. here's the part about the conversation. I hear this all the time. It's so wrong. Corporate taxes in this city are very high compared to what you get in Vaughan or places outside of Toronto, and that's why property taxes are low because you stick it to business in this city. So if you would like to be competitive. On a, on a business scale, then what you need to do is start reducing those business taxes and increasing the property taxes. Are you going to do that? No. What's happening is they're just increasing the property taxes while keeping the business taxes high and at the same time making it harder and harder to afford to live in this city. And remember, too, what's going to happen to those, per, those property taxes. It's going to be passed on to renters, and it's going to be make it harder for them to afford their housing. Let's take a time out. We'll come back. Uh, one final leg, topics worthy of discussion. Dan, I know you got to run around. Tis the season, uh, or run off, rather. And uh, so we'll let you go on that note. A Merry Christmas to you. Christmas to you as well. Thanks for having me. We'll see you me. in the new year. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. 
be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 